Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week I bring on a guest with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I have come to trust with my wellness, and they have a brand new product line that is just relief, and I've been dying to share it with you. One of my all-time favorites has quickly become their new Happy Gummies. It's H-A-P-P-I, Happy Gummies. These little gummy friends are infused with kava kava to soothe anxiousness, green tea to improve your energy, and a special blend of ingredients to help boost your mood, to reduce your stress, your restlessness, your insomnia. And of course, it's in the sweetest and the tastiest of ways. So your friends at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for money off of your order. It's 15% off, if not more, depending on the week. So just head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get into this week's episode. Ultimately, there there is a direct relationship between self-reliance and achieving harmony and balance. And so when you begin to eliminate these outside influences, you, you gain the power to leverage this dynamic and, and really reclaim your life. Hey, U-Turn friends, it's Ash here, and I'm so excited. You know that I always bring friends and friends of friends onto the show to really rock your world when it comes to your work, your life, your love life, your mindset, and this is no exception. I wanted to bring Steve Olsher onto the show. He's the founder and the editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine. He's the original chairman and founder of Liquor.com, so obviously he's a really good time. Online pioneer who launched on CompuServe's Electronic Mail 1993, New York Times bestselling author of What Is Your What? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do, real estate developer, creator of the New York Media, the New Media Summit. I mean, so many things. Host of the number one rated podcast, Reinvention Radio and Beyond Eight Figures, keynote speaker. I could go on and on. He has seven life altering principles that he wrote about in his book years ago. I want to know all about them. I want to share them with you. Steve, thank you so much for being here with me. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I mean, what what made you leave liquor.com? <laughs> we sold it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair we enough. Sold it, we sold it to Barry Diller's IAC. That was enough okay. of a reason. Okay, fair enough. I was like, wow, this guy knows how to party. And and obviously all my friends say that you're such a good time. So I'm curious, like what what got you to be have you always been this entrepreneurial and content creating? Um, yes to entrepreneurial, no to content creating, although I do create a lot of content. Like I just I'm one of those like, Jesus, do I have to do another video kind of thing? And I don't do a lot of videos, so that's the answer usually. But um entrepreneurial for sure. Uh, gosh, we can go all the way back to when I was uh, a DJ in nightclubs starting around 16, 17, 18. Uh, and then I got the inkling that I was like, hmm, 
I'm 19 years old. I think I should open my own nightclub. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. It was a non-alcoholic nightclub, but yeah, at 19, I opened my own club. So you could say, yes, I've always, always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm, beautiful. And, um, as far, it seems like a lot of the things you've created have a level of like entertainment or fun to them. Like, is that something that you really value inside and outside of work? It is, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is you're going to make money one way or another. So you might as well just have as much fun as you can have doing it. I mean, like even our live events, we have a, an LED dance floor. We bring in a DJ. Like we do things that you just don't normally see at, at, at quote unquote business events. So yeah, I definitely try to incorporate a lot of the different elements of, of what I've found to be fun over the course of, of my life into, into so much of what we do, uh, not the least of which is just being able to connect with awesome people like you. Yeah. Thank you. I, and honestly, it's so, like this podcast is the best time that I have in my work outside of the book that I wrote. It's just such a like connecting experience to hear from so many people. And I love that you're here because with seven life altering principles, like I love content and steps. And I know everybody listening loves that. And I know the first step of your life altering principles or the first principle is Yano, Y-A-N-O. Is that correct? Well, it is and it's not. So yes, that's how it's spelled and that would make sense, but we actually pronounce it yay no, which is basically just a fancy, it's just basically a fancy way of saying yes, no. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that one and what does it mean for everybody listening as it relates to their lives? So we can take a step back, which is just to say, look, you know, the, the, the idea here behind the seven life altering principles, which when I wrote this as a component of uh, the book, What Is Your What, which you mentioned, I didn't realize at the time that the acronym for the seven life altering principles is actually the SLAP. So um, so there you go, right? But it's, it is kind of like a SLAP because the idea here uh, behind the seven life altering principles is really, you know, look, we go to school, we learn some things, or, or now we don't actually go to school. I guess we just sit at home and pretend like we're on a computer in school if you're a kid, right? That sort of thing. Um, but you get taught a lot of, I don't want to say useless information, but not a, not a whole lot about how to really live, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea of the seven life altering principles is let's let's dive deeper into what it means to, to really live a life that provides fulfillment and, and fun and, and, and hopefully in, in most cases, uh, the type of, of compensation that you know you deserve and you desire. Mm-hmm. So, so a big part of that actually does begin with, with this life altering principle number one, actually, which is, which is all about Yano. And yeah. when, when you think about, and I love this quote from Robert Bennett, um, but Robert Bennett said that your life is the sum result of all the choices you make, both consciously and unconsciously. And if you can control the process of choosing you can take control of all aspects of your life. You can find the freedom that comes from being in charge of yourself. And so ultimately what Yano is, it represents that moment of truth, that fork in the road where, you, where you're faced with this moment that will have a meaningful impact on your life and ultimately making the choice that's most appropriate and nourishing for you. Right. So like a perfect example of a yay, no moment, a yes, no moment, a fork in the road. A perfect example of a yay, no moment is when you asked me to be a guest on your podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a yay, no moment. It's a yes, no moment. So 
the idea here is you want to stack up enough of the right decisions so that you get to wherever it is that you envision for yourself to go with the least amount of brain damage and trial and tribulation as humanly possible. And, you know, look, some, some of those Yano moments are obvious. Like if I said, Ashley, will you marry me? <laughs> right. I mean, that's a pretty yeah, obvious, no. right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. But that's, that's a pretty obvious, you know, moment. It's like, yes, we get married and then, you know, we have a, a lifetime of, of, of bliss and, and happiness. Or you say no, and ultimately you probably still have a lifetime of, of bliss and happiness. But, but it's always, you know, look, it's not always that obvious, right? A Yano moment can be like how you sit in your chair and, you know, like how you breathe and whether or not you decide to watch another series on Netflix or do you go for that evening jog, right? I mean, just again, countless examples. And if you reflect back on your life, you'll see that there were a ton of Yano moments that really shaped you into the person that you are today, both from a business um, and from uh, you know a personal standpoint. Absolutely. And, and I can't help but ask for the people who are listening that I'm like you, uh, or maybe I'm not. I, I see the world as yes, no. I'm pretty decisive. You know, a lot of people really struggle with making decisions. So um, what message would you have for people who want to apply this principle, but they get really stuck in indecision and their world is more like, yay, maybe no. <laughs> well, right. So let's let's look at a, an example here of when your phone rings and it's it's your friend and you like this friend. <laughs> this isn't something you this is someone you don't like. But you whenever you talk to this person, you know that an hour of your day is sunk. Like it is a sunk cost. It is done. But you're investing in the relationship. You like this person. But you know it's an hour every single time. Right. So this would be an example of a Yano moment. So start looking for those Yano moments throughout your day. And and the hardest part is that most of us just blow past those Yano moments without even really thinking about them. So if you just start to look for those Yano moments Mm -hmm. and then really give consideration to whether or not you go down the path of yes or you go down the path of no and, and evaluate those consequences. And ultimately, whatever decision you make, just do so with conviction, do so with with courage, right? Do so just knowing that it's the right decision that you're making in that moment. And, you know, a lot of people will struggle with trying to to gain a handle on these Yano moments. But the next time you're at the grocery store, examine those Yano moments. The next time you're working on something, examine those Yano moments, just get more aware, right? That's what I would say, actually, more than anything else, is the first step is just raise that awareness. Mm, love this. And um, another life altering principle that you talk about is reclaiming the canyon. And there's something about this that feels very fun. So I'm dying to know what does that mean? And for all my note takers out there, I know that they're writing down reclaim the canyon. What does that mean for everybody? Yeah. So in my definition, it's, it's really the principle of establishing space between life as it happens and your reaction to those events. Right. So it's mm-hmm. my fancy way of just basically talking about stimulus response. And the idea here is that for, for most people, when they're faced with something that happens, you know, life is thrown at them. 
they respond in instantaneous ways. It's just like there's a crack in the sidewalk. You step over that crack in the sidewalk. You're not really paying attention to what's on the other side of that crack, right? It just kind of happens swiftly without thought and perhaps with no regard for what you might be stepping into on the other mm-hmm. side. So, so the question is, how different would your life be if your first response to an upsetting event was simply a pause? And I call it Reclaim the Canyon because maybe it's a long, thoughtful pause comparable to the size uh, of something like the Grand Canyon, right? Because it's, it's really within that pause that you begin to quiet your emotions, you gather your thoughts, and, and you can more rationally consider the situation the best way to respond to it. Mm, love that. And what do you think it is that keeps people from taking that pause? Or what do you think it is that gets us to lose that pause? Because I know we live in a busy world, it's noisy, and it sometimes feels so automatic to not even think about our decisions. Like, what do you think is happening with all of us? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, obviously, it's going to be different for each person. But what I would say is that so many of us live by the whims and the agendas of others. And we get caught up in whatever that whim or that agenda is. And so our response and our life ultimately becomes a reflection of just getting stuck in the middle, right? Of of all of these different things being thrown at you, as opposed to trying to be as intentional as you possibly can about your own agenda mm-hmm. and not allowing... I mean, think about it this way, Ashley, right? So if you're, if you're driving, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know, especially if you're in LA or, you know, a big city, right? That sort of thing. You may find that you can get worked up pretty quickly and, and that happens, right? I mean, it's a natural response, but ultimately if you play that out and you chase that person down, and, you know, you want to scream at them or, or whatever that might be. And this person is not on the right side of the coin. I mean, just, you know, they got issues or whatever. And they get out of that car and, and, and something happens. It's hard to, to, to walk back from that, right? And so ultimately, the, the question is, and for some people, that's, that's who they want to be in this world, right? They want to be that person who doesn't allow others to cut them off in traffic. Right. And if that's how you are, that's who you are. But the reality is for for most people is that if you if you just simply weigh out again, it, it goes back to the Yano moment there, right? There's there if you combine the two of them, the Yano moment with reclaiming the canyon, you'll find that you can make as opposed to a, an overly emotional response, you can take a, a more rational approach and, and have a more rational response to the stimulus that you're receiving. And, you know, ultimately the wrong response can cost you in, in, in countless ways. I mean, from a business perspective, it could cost you financially, right? From a personal perspective, it could cost you a relationship. I mean, there's just so many ramifications that go hand in hand with making the wrong decisions and not taking that time to really consider is this response appropriate for the stimuli that I'm receiving? Yeah, absolutely. I have been taking a mindfulness class and the modality that it leads with is dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Have you heard of that? 
Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It talks about crisis and like, how do we respond to emotional crises? And the content's been really, really interesting. And it talks about how like the number one skill in crisis is called stop. (laughs) And that's it. That's it. You just stop. And if somebody is able to do that and prevent themselves from making a bad situation worse, it's like that itself is a skill. So I, I love this particular one, it, what do you do to keep that canyon for yourself? Like, are there certain self-care practices like meditation or whatever have you that keep you interested and committed to that little space and time? Uh, strangely enough, I am a practitioner of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and ah. I've been doing that for the better part of 20 years. So whatever I need to work out <laughs> in terms of what life throws at me, um, legally I, I can torture people on the jujitsu mats. So it, uh, so it works out really well that way. That's amazing. And it's, and it's legal. Yeah. Wow. People sign up for that stuff. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> and, and number three, you talk about the sufficiency theory in yourself, seven life altering principles. What is that and how does it apply for everybody listening? Cause I know most listeners they're in their career, they're working hard. Most people are probably working remote right now. Um, how does this relate to that? The sufficiency theory? Yeah. It, ultimately the sufficiency theory is it's the principle of attaining satisfaction and peace and contentment really by minimizing material desires and the effect of outside influences. So this is this is where you know so many of us live up to the the definition of what it means to be a consumer and ultimately there there is a direct relationship between self-reliance and achieving harmony and balance and so when you begin to eliminate these outside influences you you, you gain the power to leverage this dynamic and, and really reclaim your life Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder. Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and almost no sugar at all. It is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything, let alone something this good. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put in with a nut milk, cashew butter, frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk in the blender. This smoothie is my absolute fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I have a sweet tooth. It's just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee. But the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue. And it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean organic superfood blends address these problems head on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress And they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein power to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G. 
A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and make sure you use the code U-TURN. Again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And so I, I liken it to... Um, to a line in the sand that so many of us draw, Ashley, when, when you think about it from the standpoint of, you know, how many, maybe you can relate this and tell me, tell me if you can relate to this. Have you, have you, Ashley, I'm actually asking you this question. Yeah. I'm on um, yours. Have you ever said to yourself when I have X, maybe it's dollars in the bank, or maybe it's this car, or maybe it's this computer or this, house, I don't know, whatever it might be. When I have this, everything I need is going to be perfectly in place and then I can really start living. Yeah. I know it's this little carrot chasing this little elusive carrot that we all are chasing. I definitely do have some element of that at all times in my life. Even when I try to rise above it, it sneaks its way back in. And I, I can't help but ask, I mean, how can people get out of that trap in that conversation in their head when I don't know. It's like we live in that Instagram world where yeah. people, all you see on Insta stories is, I mean, first of all, there's so many filters that people look like satin on their face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we look flawless. And I think um, everybody wants an easier life, right? Like nobody wants for it to be hard. There, Maybe people are available for a challenge, but I don't think people want life to be really hard for them. And it's interesting because when people with a ton of money or success or beauty will post it, I think on the gram or wherever we're being influenced, whatever media we're seeing, I think it's tempting to buy into the belief that they have it easier. And so I'm curious how to get out of this little rabbit hole trap that we all get caught in. Yeah, because ultimately what happens is once you attain whatever that is, where you feel like, okay, once I get to this, then I can really start living. I'm going to be happy, this, that, and the other, whatever it might be. You scratch out that line in the sand and you move it farther down. You know, when I got 50 grand in the bank, then when I have 100 grand in the bank, then, you know, whatever that that number is. And I would just simply say that the, the, the utopia, so to speak, that we create in our minds in terms of what's going to happen here at the at that end of the rainbow with the, the flowing streams and the beautiful people and that pot of gold and, you know, the internal, eternal happiness is a myth. And, and the real wake up call here is that nothing incredible will happen mm. when you achieve all of your objectives. Yeah, I, I would actually say I had an e-course in 2016 that like really did well. And it was over two months that I went from debt to millions of dollars of revenue. And it was like the most stressed out and unhappy I'd ever been like having like I, it was like my experience of making a lot of money was one where I was very chaotic and I had to build my team. And I don't think that that's the kind of entrepreneur I'm supposed to be. I'm a little bit more of like the author, writer, solopreneur. And so having to build a large team while well, it was a privilege and I'm grateful I had the experience. I was a mess. Like it was not for me. So I think having that direct experience of money coming into my bank account growing and me feeling really miserable. Um, I don't want to believe that money means misery, but the way that I was making it for the dream that I allegedly had just wasn't working for me. And I think that's what set me free was like, wow, I got to this carrot that I've been chasing financially and I'm, I'm pretty miserable. So I guess I need to practice this efficiency theory over here and, you know, simplify my life. And ever since that time years ago, I'm so much simpler, Steve. It's ridiculous. I'm like the most simple one of all of my friends because I just, 
I don't know. I, I appreciate the simple things, not to say that people around me don't, but um, I'm, yeah. just, I'm specifically aware of them. Yeah. And, and I would say, that, you know, from my perspective, the two absolutely do not have to be mutually exclusive, right? I mean, you, you can yeah. absolutely make money and a lot of money in a way that feels magical and fulfilling for you. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, there's so much teasing out like a hairy knot with our beliefs around money. And that's something that I think is a very common belief is people believe that making a lot of money has to be hard or tiring or something like the experience I had. And I know in my heart, that's not true. Um, How do you keep your money mindset or the way you see the world through this lens of possibility? Because I I find that people almost um, collectively will believe that if they believe what they have is enough, then they're not going to strive for more or something like that. Yeah. And, and there is definitely something to be said for a fine line between being greedy and being ambitious, right? I mean, and that's that's a whole other conversation. But what I will say in terms of striving for finding satisfaction, fulfillment, and sufficiency with where you sit right now, here's how I liken it. I liken it to, I used to do a lot of work with the unemployed. And what I would do with the unemployed is I would have them write words on the board in, in, a, in a column in terms of how they're feeling right now. In so far as I'm unemployed, I don't have money coming in. Okay, share the emotions in terms of how you're feeling. Well, a lot of them would share emotions and, and and adjectives like afraid and depressed and unworthy and embarrassed and ashamed and I have anxiety and angry and you know dis- disappointed, disconnected, etc. And then I would ask them, okay, great. So thank you for sharing that. Now tell me what happens after you find a job. What do those adjectives turn into? What happens to afraid? Well, afraid becomes unafraid and depressed becomes happy and unworthy becomes capable and embarrassed becomes proud, et cetera, et cetera. And I have them look at both of those columns. So all of the negative adjectives are on the left side and all the positive adjectives are on the right side. And so the, the question that I would then would ask is, you know, how, how do you think a job interview is going to go if you walk into that room feeling afraid, depressed, unworthy, embarrassed, ashamed, angry, disappointed, disconnected, et cetera? And obviously they all laugh and they go, you know, not, not so good. And how do you think that interview is going to go if you walk in feeling happy and capable and proud and confident and et cetera, et cetera. And obviously they say the interview will go much, much better. And then I ask them, well, what does it cost you to shift from the left column to the right column? And they'll think about it for a second. They'll go, well, it, it doesn't cost me anything to, to operate from the standpoint of that right column. I'll say, of course, that's correct. And what does it cost you if you're living and operating on the left side of the board, on that left column? And the answer is everything, right? And so ultimately, that's where we're at with things is it doesn't cost you anything to live on the right side of the board, on that right column, whereas it literally costs you everything to live on the left. Yeah, love this. And I know that uh, number four for your life-altering principles, retrain your brain. I get the most curious about this one um, because I know that mindset can be malleable and maybe our mind will shift and we'll believe something new about the world and then it can kind of snap back into place. And sometimes that's what growth looks like is this calibration with the universe, calibration with yourself. So what does it look like as a life-altering principle to retrain your brain and how do you practice that on an ongoing basis? So in my way of thinking, what this principle is really all about is experiencing life without the filter of preconceived notions. Mm. And that's really all I'm asking people to think about, which is, you know, if you imagine Leonardo da Vinci trying to paint the Mona Lisa over one of his, you know, previous paintings like The Last Supper 
or Michael Jackson, you know, singing Thriller over the track for Billie Jean, right? Or something like that. It's like the, the result of each of those would be disastrous at best. And so what is ultimately the, the goal here of retraining your brain is really trying to look at life with a blank slate. Because w- when you think about what has transpired in your life, at one point, everything was new. Right, no matter no matter what it no matter what it is, maybe you had never tried turkey before, and you tried turkey, and now you know turkey is your favorite sandwich. Maybe you never tried, you know, whatever it is in your life, you never tried it before, and then you tried, it and you're like, oh, I love this, or you know, I hate it. This happens in our conversations with people as well. When we start out with people, they have a blank slate. When we start out with our jobs, we give it a blank slate. When we start out with a new vendor, when we start out with a new marketing, to whatever it might be, the idea here is to really try to start out with with a blank slate. And some things are going to fit and, and some things won't. But we go in to so much of life with all of these preconceived notions in terms of what our expectations are around what that conversation is going to be. So even in our next conversation, if you and I went into our next conversation, Ashley, without you basing that conversation on what we have just talked about here today, what would that experience be like as opposed to thinking about it from the standpoint of, oh, I think I know Ashley. I think I know Steve, right? Based on our conversation here today. And if you think about your your significant other, you've had thousands of conversations. So can you imagine how different speaking with a loved one would be as an example here if you put aside the memory of thousands of previous conversations and fully paid attention to how the two of you were interacting, instead of you know it just being rote and repetitive, it would be an exchange of true communication. Mm, beautiful, yeah. And I, I don't know. It's like um, I feel like every entrepreneur, especially, has gone through some sort of huge mind shift. Like, what is the biggest thing you've retrained your brain on? Yeah. Yeah, you know Hamlet, uh, the the obviously the play from William Shakespeare. One of my favorite lines from from Hamlet is uh, he said, "There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so." Mm. And y- you and I can look at uh, the same thing and and look at it completely different. Like you and I could both look at a tree. You may look at it and see life. Somebody else may look at it and see shade. Somebody else, maybe me, will look at it as just an overgrown weed, right? And so ultimately, your life is going to be a direct reflection of whatever those colored glasses are that you're wearing. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes those glasses are so deeply on you, entrenched, and it almost feels like it's impossible to stop believing the world is what you see it as. And I find that people who are really suffering because they believe something, they super know it when they've done some level of growth. Like they know that they're stuck on that one belief that they just are still holding on to. What would be your message to those people? I mean, I would just simply say that the sooner you can rid yourself of generalizations, the sooner you can open yourself up to new options. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Beautiful. And, um, I know the fifth alter life altering principle you have is the altar at Jack's cathedral. This sounds interesting. Tell me a little bit more about this one. So it's kind of a funny name and 
actually, um, the gentleman over which this is named didn't die terribly long ago. But uh, when I'm talking about the altar of Jack's Cathedral, I'm, I'm talking about Jack Welch, who ran General Electric uh, for the better part of 20 years. And so what, what Jack used to preach in one of his famous quotes is he says, control your own destiny or someone else will. And so the, the thinking behind this particular life-altering principle was that there were a lot of the principles that he instituted at General Electric that was, I mean, really applicable to life. I mean, a lot of the things that he did in terms of taking General Electric from having a market value, market worth of $14 billion in 1981 to over $400 billion in 2001, which at the time made it the most valuable company in the world. There's just a lot of really interesting strategies and, and techniques and tactics that he used to, to used to um, uh, work with there with the with, you know with the people institute there with uh, with the employees of General Electric and and I mean there's a lot of people I mean you're talking about at one point there there were over four hundred and fifty thousand employees at General Electric so obviously he couldn't have personal engagement with each one of those, but he set a lot of principles and set a lot of, uh, he basically set the vision, right, for the company and made that known. So that's that's part of what we can look at as an example here is, you know, what vision do you have for your life? What vision do you have for your business? And how readily do you share that vision? And for a lot of us, we don't we don't do a great job of recruiting and enrolling others into our vision, especially on a personal level. Some people do a really good job on a, on a business level, but when's the last time that you really sat down to lay out your vision for what you want to have on a personal level and enrolled others in that vision ultimately to help guide you and hold you accountable? And for, for most of us, the answer is never. Mm. Hmm. Well, and I also find it interesting that people, it's like, as we change, our career sometimes wants to, and our purpose moves. So how do we kind of, I don't know, like come up with that vision and also stay open to it changing, you know, like sometimes I feel afraid to speak a vision. Cause I'm like, like, for example, my book, U turn, I love it so much. I'm probably going to turn it into a movie. I've been talking to some agents at CAA for that. Nice. And yet, like, I know, you, you know how it goes, like as a creative person, like I'm pretty committed to that, but depending on what it's going to look like, that could change and my purpose could move. So sometimes I notice that I'm afraid, obviously not because I'm sitting here on my own podcast admitting it, but sometimes I feel afraid to be like, I'm going to create a movie out of this thing. Yeah. So how, what, what feedback would you have? It's not that I'm, I, I guess I am afraid to share it because I'm like, maybe I'm going to change my mind. And it seems like we live in a world where if you change your mind, you're I don't know, not reliable or not a high performer, or there's like some sort of co- like belief system, I think, imposed on that. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question, Ashley. And so what I, what I would say to you is, and, and if we're going to play this out within the context of this particular life-altering principle, one, one of the things that Jack uh, instituted that was uh, really, I mean, so forward-thinking for, you know, because personal development wasn't as big as it is now, of course. Um, but he instituted something called the vitality curve, which basically means that he required his executives of each business unit to rank their managers into a top 20%, vital 70%, and bottom 10%. And and generally speaking, the underperformers who were in the bottom 10% would have to go. 
And and what he said in, in his book, Straight from the Gut, is he said, making these judgments is not easy. It's not nor always precise. Year after year, differentiation raises the bar and increases the overall caliber of the organization. It's a dynamic process. And no one is assured of staying in the top group forever. They have to constantly demonstrate they deserve to be there. And so I'm, I'm saying this to you because this is applicable for our personal lives as well. right? If you think about your personal life and the four carriers of your life, number one, your family and friends. Number two, your work. Number three, your hobbies. And number four, spirituality. What you can begin to, to think about, and of course, there's other areas and what are those areas you, know, you want to be. You can start thinking about, for instance, the, your family and friends. Like who are the top 20% of the people there that bring you the most joy, right? The 80-20 rule, right? 20% bring you 80% or more of your joy, who's kind of in the middle and then who's going to fall on the bottom there in that, in that bottom 10%. And typically that 10% will cause 90% or more of the stress, right? And so as you, as you play this out, you're going to see that if you, if you take this evaluation type approach to your life and you really refine what you're doing on an ongoing basis, even on a quarterly basis, you, you you will be able to eliminate those areas of your life that are causing you stress, not bringing you joy, et cetera, and really focus on on what is. So in answer to your question, it's a really long answer to your question, in answer to your question, what you can do in that case is you can become aware of, look, this is what's bringing me joy right now. And so putting that forth and knowing that I'm fired up and passionate about it right now is where I'm finding joy. It's it's what I love doing. But a year from now, as you reevaluate, you reevaluate your own vitality curve, what you might find is that it's no longer in your top 20, right? Maybe it's dropped down into your vital 70. And ultimately, maybe it drops out into your bottom 10. But here's the thing is that, it, again, if we go back to the conversation of living by the whims and the agendas of others, if you are stuck in a particular aspect of your life, because of the whims, agendas, and expectations of others who want you to be that person who has those initiatives, who has that business, these are people who you need to eliminate and drop into the bottom 10 because they're holding on to a vision of what they want you to be as opposed to who you are evolving into. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ashley here. Sorry for the quick interruption. I realize I've been doing this podcast for years and I almost never talk about my ghostwriting and publicity company called Cake Publishing. We have some of the best writers I know writing New York Times bestselling books, writing wording for people's websites, emails, and so much more, as well as publicists who are incredible at getting you on television, whether it's Good Morning America, Today's Show, or your local news. And we want to support you. We have been helping influencers, companies, and charities get their words and message out into the world. And we are so inspired by it. So for some reason, you're a business owner or you work with a company that needs a ghostwriter for any reason, a speechwriter, or a publicist to get you out there into the world, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Or you can shoot me an email at ashley at cakepublishing.com. All right, now let's get back to this week's guest. I know that, you know, with all of these principles, it's it's like such a matter of interpretation. Um, how do you decide when you're kind of in shiny object syndrome versus really wanting to claim something and name it as something that you're adding to your list and doing? Mm. 
Yeah, I think we're always in some degree of shiny object syndrome, right? And that's just yeah. that's just human nature. The the question is, and and by the way, even when you are, I love what Wayne Dyer always said, and what Wayne Dyer was he quoted this all the time. He would say there are no accidents in life. Each experience that we have, no matter how painful, eventually leads us to something of higher value. And so, what what I what I would really encourage you to to think about you know, is as far as the shiny objects are concerned, is maybe you have to go towards the light, right? You know, a moth to a flame. Maybe you have to go towards that light in order to eliminate certain things that you need to eliminate from your life or to open yourself up to possibilities that previously had not existed. And so ultimately the, the question is, and if we could just, you know, look, we can run right back through all the the uh, life-altering principles that we've gone through here, which we won't do, but we could. But if you look at it from the standpoint of yay, no, and reclaim, reclaim the canyon as two examples, that'll help you to come to much better answers on a much more consistent basis. Love this. And I know that... Um, there's so many people I have that are such creators that sometimes they kind of go fly on the whim and that's a talent that they have, that they can trust something and go for it. And versus I think so many of us kind of, like you said, need to reclaim the Canyon and kind of take a moment to make sure that we're putting our time. Cause I think some people think like, am I worthy of this purpose? But really it's like, is this purpose worthy of you? There's so much time that goes into that chase. And I also know that clarity comes from engagement and not just thought. Um, so, okay. Number six, the hold on. If I, if I may real quick yeah. to that, what, what yeah. I would say to you and, and part of what we, you know, and certainly what I've taught now for, for years and we continue to teach through our various products, programs, services, et cetera. Uh, we, I'm, I'm all a believer in, um, uh, in recognizing that your, 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 your DNA is wired to excel in very specific ways. Right. And, and ultimately, and what we're talking about in the seven life altering principles is it comes from, the book, What Is Your What? What what I believe is, without a shadow of a doubt, unequivocally believe that your what has chosen you, and it's not that which you have chosen. Mm. And when you know that in your heart, that's when you know you're on the right path. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like there's so many different body experiences that we all have when something actually feels like it chose us. It's such a different feeling in the body. And I think so many of us are just moving so quick. We don't necessarily feel that expansion or get connected to that. But when you slow down, it can get noticeable. And, And I love what you're saying also about just trusting life and what Wayne Dyer said about really trusting that there is something that makes more sense that it is on its way. That mindset is such a beautiful mindset to cultivate. And yet so many of us, I think, struggle to to trust life, you know, and we try to control it. Um, what is number six, the not so golden rule? I'm so curious. I can think of so many different things. It could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, obviously we know what the golden rule is in terms of do on to others, uh, as, as you would have others do on to you. The, the not so golden rule is the principle of eliminating fear or expectation as a motive for your actions. So in other words, the, if you think about the, the, the golden rule as it's explained now, it essentially it promises that if you're good to people, you can expect them to be good to you in return. It's like, it's like an implied social contract. And, and there's nothing wrong with that message, right? I mean, you obviously want to do good. You should do good. But my take on it is you shouldn't do so expecting a quid pro quo. 
because you can't sit here and think for a second that if you just simply put forth all of these positive actions, the road's going to be paved for you with, with blessings, right? I mean, as, as much as I hate to use these sort of examples, you know, I mean, you see it all the time of, 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 of young children and of really amazing people who are doing incredible work in the world. I mean, Dr. Martin Luther King, right, as an example, you know, who just, whose, whose lives end way too soon, you know, did, did that happen? Was that their fate because they were a colicky baby, right? I mean, like, you just, you, you can't make yeah. those sort of broad stroke uh, conclusions and, and assumptions. And, you know, there's also the, the converse uh, of that where you have people who do these heinous acts and and they live free. And, you know, we can look to the news today, right, to see examples of those sort of people who live free and live well and, you know, they've done some some horrible things. And so ultimately the, the not-so-golden rule is really just about taking action simply because you want to do so. It's, it's, it's giving without the expectation of reciprocation. And when we can give from that place and, and really do whatever we can to, to be that positive impact on, on the world, it's just a much different experience than hoping, if you will, to, to, to get back what you give. I love this. And I know that it's easier said than done. I also know that I think some people are more inclined to be giving at any given time and other people are more inclined to be taking. Like, do you have any message for people who are naturally very generous? Because I think sometimes they can give until their cup is empty and they're always giving with nothing expected in return. Like, how do people kind of make sure that there's more mutuality or reciprocity in their life? Because I always find that when I hear this advice, I'm like, yeah, it's so important to give without attachment. And I have some friends who just give, give, give. And it's like, I don't know. I, I wonder when it's going to come back their way, you know? Well, you're also putting your own agenda onto them mm-hmm. because for them, perhaps they don't have that same attachment. Perhaps they are just giving because they are natural givers. Now, there's a fine line between being a giver. And eliminating all ties to to expectation in terms of reciprocation, and having clear cut boundaries. And so, when when you have boundaries in place in terms of if I'm a giver, I don't want to be taken advantage of. That's a different discussion than someone who is a giver and gets taken advantage of, right? So, there is the whole conversation uh, around boundaries. But you know, at the same token, I would say that there is some payoff, right? There, there is some, whatever it is, it, it's emotional, it's, it's you know, just physiological, physical, I mean, whatever it might be, there is some payoff that they are receiving and benefiting from when they give in the way that they do. And they may not even be able to articulate it, but I would just simply say, let's not question their their motives, because ultimately there is a payoff for them. Otherwise they wouldn't engage in it. And if they, yeah. And if they are finding 
that they are unhappy with their giving nature, then it becomes a, a question of, okay, what exactly am I doing here that is providing a disconnect between what I want the result to be and what my reality actually is? Mm-hmm. Love this question. And I feel like it's such a great opportunity for people to kind of pause and be a little bit more intentional. And I know your your final principle, I love the the things you call your principles. It's so good. Number seven, the slow death of not being the star. This is so good. I feel like I already have an idea, Steve, of where you're heading. But can we talk about this one? So ultimately, what I know to be true, and you know this to be true, and more and more people are realizing this to be true, is that it's it's really, really, really easy to be a critic. Mm-hmm. And it's super hard to be a creator, at least on a consistent basis. And so the idea of the slow death of not being the star is really the idea here then of shifting focus away from time-consuming distractions and towards the pursuit of the goals that you've identified either for yourself on a personal level or on a business level. And so what, what I encourage everyone to, to begin doing is to take inventory on uh, of, of what your current distractions are, right? Because, and don't get me wrong, I know a lot of people have stressful jobs. I know a lot of people just simply want to have a little downtime, have a little time to, to decompress, whatever that might be. But even if you're just spending an hour a day on social media, as an example, right? Just an hour a day on social media, just kind of scroll and do whatever you're doing, right? That's 365 hours over the course of, of that year, right? 365 hours. And then if we, if we break that down further, if we're just looking at 24, 24 hour days, then you're talking about 15 full days in terms of where your life has gone just with a half hour on social media, just kind of scroll. And if we're looking at it from a work perspective, if you, let's just say you devote 30 minutes, a work day of an eight hour day, five days a week to just simply scrolling on social media, that's damn near two months that you've given up in terms of time that you will never get back. And so ultimately there's only two ways to use your time, Ashley. You can spend your time or you can invest your time. And far too many of us spend an inordinate amount of time spending that time rather than investing it. So, yeah. So you just got to be real clear on whether or not you want to be a critic or want or you want to be a creator. And the, the truth is many of us have, it's been a long time since we put something forth for the world to judge. And, you know, when I'm talking about being a star, I don't necessarily mean like getting the lead role in a movie or selling out a rock concert. I just mean really connecting with your true self and, and living your life to the fullest in, in whatever definition you give it. Love this. And, you know, I, it, it's so interesting because I, I feel like all of these principles, they sound so simple and yet the best things are, you know, and there's so much depth to that, um, which one would you say do you think about the most or notice yourself using the most? Yeah, I, I would say it's a it's an easy answer for me, which is the yay no moments. 
and、mm. really being as intentional as as I possibly can. Really being as intentional as I possibly can about the decisions that I make, the yano moments, and and really stopping to recognize that this is in fact a yano moment. Because again, even that unto itself. Will completely change the trajectory of of whether or not you're spending or investing your time. I love that. And how do you decide where you're spending versus investing? Because sometimes it feels like you're putting your time in something that's going to give you something back. Other times it feels like maybe you didn't see it coming that it wasn't the right direction. Like, how do you make that decision? Clarity, right? When you're when you're clear on what it is that you want. I mean, think about the relationship that you have. I mean, let's just take it to a personal level. When you think about the relationship that you have with your significant other, it becomes much easier when you know what you want that relationship to be. The problem is most people don't invest the time needed to define, and, and even with their significant other, don't take the time to define what it is that they want to see out of that relationship and what they want that relationship to be. So even that's a public dec- declaration. You hold one another accountable for bringing that to fruition. So w- once you have that declaration, once you have that clarity, now you can begin to make decisions using the yay no method here to 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 know whether or not does this like if I go out with my buddies every single night and I know that I want to have a close loving relationship with my wife. And know that every time I go out, she looks at me and, and just says, "Sure, if that's what you want to do, go ahead." But knowing that that doesn't lead me towards the objective of having a deep, close, loving relationship with her, that's a yay no moment. I am making that choice. So, so for me to come home and then be pissed off that tomorrow I don't get any loving out of her or whatever it might be, I created that scenario, and ultimately. Yano and, and leveraging the the Yano principle gives you the opportunity to take full and complete responsibility for the quality of the life that you've created for yourself. Well, this has been so awesome. And for my note takers, number one is Yano. Number two, reclaim the canyon. Number three, the sufficiency theory. Number four, to retrain your brain. Number five, the altar at Jack's Cathedral. Number six, the not so golden rule. And number seven, the slow death of not being the star. Steve, I so appreciate these seven life-altering principles. What a fun topic for this conversation! Is there anything I haven't asked you that perhaps when you kind of think about this audience and everybody who is, you know, hustling in their work, really seeking clarity to get to their next level, a question that I should have maybe thought to ask you, or something that would be valuable to share with everybody as we close out? Um, I'll just simply say this, which is, I know we've been talking about it、uh, in terms of the seven life-altering principles a lot on a personal level. So much of this is applicable,、uh, of course, on a professional, on a business level、uh, as well. And you know, Stephen Covey said it best in the Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People, in terms of one of the seven habits being starting with the end in mind. And ultimately, it's just really hard to get to a destination if you don't. Know where it is. Yes, Amen. So great. Well, I know everybody's going to want to keep learning from you. Where do you suggest they follow you? Keep growing from you. What do you have out there for people to go find?、Uh, we dug pretty deep into the book, so I mean,、yeah. I'd say you know, I, I, we do give the the entire New York Times bestselling book, "What Is Your What?" Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do away for free.、Um, 
So I would encourage folks to start there and just go to whatisyourwhat.com and uh, grab a free copy. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn Podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week.